pondering the battle in the spiritual realm and waiting for answers to prayer, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. The prayer was heard and the answer was sent, but there was a battle in the spiritual realm. And I wonder, in some of us that are waiting on the Lord, maybe 21 days, maybe 21 months, perhaps even 21 years, what's happening in the spiritual realm as it relates to the answer getting to us in the perfect timing of God. But there was a fight going on. Sometimes you get an answer right away. Sometimes you get an answer before you finish. Sometimes you got to wait. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You The reality of spiritual warfare is not usually thought of when it comes to prayer, but it is very real, and it's why some answers to prayer are delayed. We'll hear more about this unseen world and the involvement of angels on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the book of Hebrews that mentions angels and this unseen spiritual reality. To illustrate the difference between the physical and the spiritual, Pastor Ed recalls a woodpecker assaulting their home. I'm sitting there waiting for Katie to get ready so we can go to church, and I hear this crazy sound. And I say, hey, Katie, is that you? Because they're still sleeping in the house. And I say, Katie, she doesn't answer. And then, and I'm like, Katie, is it going on? And she comes out, no, it's not me. And then Marie comes, no, it's not me. You know who it is? That stinking woodpecker came back. That's the physical. Now I wonder what God's going to reveal in the spiritual. Little demons, what it is, <laughs> sitting up on that tailpipe of our house, banging its head. For what reason? What's the purpose? Like Katie asked, doesn't the bird know it's metal? Obviously not. And by the way, if anybody can help me, why? Why does my house have so many problems with birds? What's the deal? Like, we're not the only house in the neighborhood. But at any rate, so that's the physical. That's the physical. So he wakes up, and what does he see? An army. Oh, we're done. We're toast. It's over. And he goes, he says in verse 15, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Man, you got to love Elisha. May we all be that. He says in verse 16, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And notice verse 17. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, Notice, open his eyes that he may see. Well, didn't he already see the army? Isn't his eyes, aren't his eyes already open? Yeah, physically. And what's Elisha's prayer? Give him spiritual eyes. Let him see the unseen. And notice, the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. God has you covered. Just pray that your eyes will be opened. It's so much more than just the physical in your life and mine, and part of the spiritual is this angelic realm. Why would the author to the Hebrews, why would Paul spend so much time in chapter one? Well, speaking and teaching about the superiority of Jesus over the angels. Well, I think I found something. You don't need to turn there, but in Deuteronomy chapter 33, as Moses is speaking, he describes how angels were used in the giving of the law. They were somehow involved 
And so the Jewish believers of the first century coming out of Judaism highly respected Moses, highly respected the law, and because angels were used, I believe they also highly respected angels and put them in a category they didn't belong. And so they're being corrected and being taught, which is what happens every time we come to Bible study. We're being corrected and taught and built up and we're learning the truth about God. And because they esteem the law and they esteem the delivery of the law by angels, Paul says, no, Jesus is greater than all, including the angels. Now, these mysterious creatures play an active role in our lives and then the life of the believer. Angels are nearer than when what we think. They're all around us, taking care of us, sent to minister to us. For example, jot it down. Angels protect. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Secondly, angels guide. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Joseph, married to Mary, the mother of Jesus, was given direction from an angel in Matthew chapter 2 and told an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, take the young child to Egypt. Thirdly, this is a real cool one to think about. Angels escort believers into heaven. We learn that in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, where the, the beggar, when he died, was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Angels are also used by God to encourage at times. Paul had that in Acts chapter 27, on that ship, ready to wreck. An angel, it says, there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those that sail with you. And God used an angel to bring encouragement. Turn over to Psalm 91 with me, would you? Psalm 91. When you get there, go to verse 10. Psalm 91, verse 10. Just such a glorious truth of God's ministering angels and how he chooses to use them sovereignly in our life. Now, no angel's going to bring another gospel. No angel's going to be more supreme than Jesus, but they're God's servants. And he sends, just like he would send a human being into your life to encourage you, God can also send an angel into your life to encourage you. And notice this in Psalm 91, verse 10. Really, let's go to verse 9. Because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your habitation, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And they'll bear you up in his hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample under foot. The world of angels is so vast, so intelligent, so powerful, so invisible, so faithful to God, and it gives us hope in troubled times to know that even angels are all around us, watching over us, guiding us, protecting us, maybe even on occasion speaking to us. Have you ever considered the possibility that in your life you've entertained an angel and didn't know it? And you say, come on, Ed, what are you talking about? Well, let me read to you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. The Bible tells us, and we'll get to this when we wind up our study in the book of Hebrews. But listen, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Be nice to strangers, because you just never know who they are. 
I'm sure there's testimony or two among us that had an interaction with someone that was such a great blessing. They came into your life and came out just as fast. And you're like, what was that all about? Could have been an angel that God dispatched into your life for that time and that place. You know, the Bible is filled with true stories of angelic intervention. Remember the time when Peter was put into prison? It was a very serious time. You can jot it down in Acts chapter 12. A very serious time because just before Peter was put into prison, they threw James into prison and they beheaded him. And so they're thinking, hey, James, what happened to James is going to happen to Peter. So what does the church do in Acts chapter 12? They pray. Actually, the Bible describes it as constant prayer being offered for Peter. Can you imagine that prayer meeting? Oh, Lord, deliver him. Oh, Lord, get him out. We need Peter. He's a strong leader. What will the church do without him? And they're just praying, and they're just praying, and they're praying. And then the answer came. Now, I mentioned this in earlier services. If you happen to be listening to this Bible study in prison, probably this angel doesn't exist anymore to come because God sent an angel to break Peter out. He did. That's exactly what happened. Acts chapter 12, verse 7. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, raised him up, said, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hand. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. Hey, the Lord answered that prayer by sending an angel to prison, breaking him out, taking off the chains, opening the door, leading him out. Now that is an answer to prayer. The church was praying, God got him out. And yet, when we think of angels, we don't think of God using them that way, but he does. He does. And Peter, you know, some of you might have looked at that story before and you go, oh, I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. But I think when you get to heaven, the angel's going to be right there at the pearly gates to slap you on the side of the head like he did Peter. He goes, are you kidding me? Here I am. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's true. It's true. It's true. How about Daniel? Two times in Daniel's life, angels are used in relation to prayer. The first one is Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, the Bible says that the answer to his prayer came through an angel before he even finished praying. Daniel chapter 9. And what was the answer? But the revelation of the end times and how God's heart for Israel is eternal, that he's not given up on Israel, that he's not turned his back on Israel, no matter what man-made religions come up to say that the church replaced Israel. That has not happened. Read Daniel chapter 9. There is still yet a final seven year period where God is going to deal with the nation of Israel in a wonderful way, even as he's bringing them back to the land today. That's a different Bible study for a different time. But then in chapter 10, well, go ahead and go to Daniel real quick. Daniel chapter 10. Let's turn to Daniel 10, because in 9, he gets the answer from an angel even before he finishes praying. But in Daniel chapter 10, we find out that there was a spiritual battle in the unseen realm in relation to his prayer. And so in Daniel 10, notice, it says, the answer in verse 12, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. So immediately God hears our prayers, just like with Daniel, and I have come because of your words. But, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, for I had been left alone there from the kings of Persia. 
Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people. There was a 21-day fight in heaven for that answer to get to Daniel. The prayer was heard, and the answer was sent, but there was a battle in the spiritual realm. And I wonder, in some of us that are waiting on the Lord, maybe 21 days, maybe 21 months, perhaps even 21 years, what's happening in the spiritual realm as it relates to the answer getting to us in the perfect timing of God. But there was a fight going on. Sometimes you get an answer right away. Sometimes you get an answer before you finish. Sometimes you got to wait. And how Daniel was waiting and praying until that answer came. We just don't know how many times in our lives that angels have intervened and gotten us out of tight situations, watched our back, delivered us, protected us from harm. It, it made me think, you know, I don't have a lot of memories as a kid uh, as rotten as I was, but there's always this one memory that comes back to me time and time again, especially when I think of angels. Uh, I was probably seven or eight years old, and my mom had given me money to get a haircut and a couple extra dollars to give a tip. And the, the barber was right down the street of our long block, so I was given instructions, go down, get a haircut, give a tip, come home. That was my instructions. But across the street was a liquor store and a gas station with the newest pinball machine in it. And so I heard the instructions, go get a haircut, and if she finishes early, keep the tip and go play pinball, which is what I did. She did finish early. I converted that two bucks into quarters, and I played the new pinball machine. And in my mind, I'm playing the whole game. I'm thinking, okay, I'm playing, but my mom's timing me. She knows how long it takes to walk. She knows, so I'm doing it. I'm all caught up. My head's all over, just like I am today. My head's always all over the place. So I'm playing, playing. I finally finish. I see the time. I, I run home. So I cross the street, and I start running home. Man, I forgot my sweater. My sweater. If I don't go home with my sweater, my mom's going to grill me. I'm going to get busted. I'm gonna... So I flip around right away without a thought, and I run back across the street. Well, not paying attention to anything, there's a big truck there. And as I'm running past the big truck, there is a car coming behind that truck at full speed. And I'm, the timing of it all, full speed, slammed on their brakes, was probably about an inch from running me over. I tapped the hood, ran in, got my sweater, and took off. <laughs> I wonder... I wonder, I wonder if the guy driving that car today somewhere on the earth is giving the testimony. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. I was just driving down, right down the street. There was a truck there, and then this little punk kid came out of nowhere, and then I didn't even put my foot on the brake. The brake just stopped. He tapped my car. I was going to get out and get him, but I was so nervous, and I don't know, maybe it was an angel. Maybe it was, but I'm alive today to tell it. How many times? Can you look at your life and you just can't explain how it all went down? And we know it's God. God gets all the glory. But could it be that he sent an angel, dispatched an angel to do his job for him? And you were protected or guarded or whatever it might be. I mean, it's fascinating to think. Which leads us to the final question of the day. And that's this. It's a very popular one. The question is this. Do you believe in guardian angels? Or... Does the Bible teach that we have guardian angels or, or does every Christian have a personal guardian angel? That's a great question. First of all, I have to answer that question with a simple answer, and that's this. The Bible doesn't say for sure. What I mean by that is you're not going to be able to open the Bible and go to any verse, and then there's a verse you could quote, every believer has a guardian angel. There's not a verse that exists. So with many questions like that, 
The Bible answer is the Bible doesn't say for sure. When many questions like that, what we need to do is open and broaden the scriptures and say, what does the Bible point toward? What is the evidence? And there's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you because I lean toward the answer, yes. I lean toward the answer, yes. Not only do guardian angels exist, but everyone has one. Every believer has one. And here's some of the evidence that I found. The first is something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus is warning about the little ones, the kiddos, your kids and mine. And he says, take heed, 18.10, that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who in heaven. So little ones, their angels are before the Lord in heaven. I thought, that's interesting. And then when it comes to Acts chapter 12, that same Peter in prison getting broken out by an angel, sometimes we miss it because that's a text of the Bible that pastors like me love to pause on and get a laugh from because it's pretty comical what's happening in the early church. It's a lesson that we learned that you don't have to have a lot of faith to pray and that God will answer your prayers regardless of how much faith you have because he's a faithful God even if we're faithless. That's why we should pray no matter how we feel. But with the answer to prayer of Peter getting broken out of prison, what happens? He shows up and he knocks on the door. He comes to the very place they've been praying. And who goes to the door but the servant girl, her name is Rhoda. She recognizes Peter's voice right away, but doesn't open the door. And she runs back and says, you won't believe it. Peter's here, Peter's here, Peter's here. And what does the early church, what do the apostles say? What do the mighty men of God say? That's not Peter. God wouldn't answer. Now, they don't say this. I'm paraphrasing what they might be thinking. God wouldn't answer our prayers so fast, so quick. You're crazy. But Peter was there. And so we look at that and we go, come on, man, open the door. Why are you guys leaving him out there? You've been praying forever. He's now there. God broke him out. He's right there at the door. And then something interesting happens. They say something. Listen, when she recognized Peter's voice, Rhoda, Because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate, but ran in, announced that Peter stood before the gate, and they said to her, you're beside yourself. Mighty men of God they are. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. And then they said, it is his angel. Like, that's an interesting phrase. It's his angel? Where does that come from? But perhaps the theology of the early church and the scriptures of a guardian angel, and who broke Peter out of prison? An angel. So I believe, yes, that if we were to pull back the veil that separates the visible world from the invisible, the natural world from the supernatural world, we would see at this very moment angels all around us. And as the author of the Hebrews reminds us that Jesus becomes so much better than the angels because he always has been and he always will be. And we'll get into that next time. But this becoming so much more than angels really refers to the incarnation of the Son of God. And we'll get into that a little deeper. But for us today, God is doing so much in the spiritual realm. You just need to ask to see it. You need to acknowledge the spiritual realm. I know that great difficulties upon you right now, great concern, maybe even great worry in this. It's the unseen world, isn't it? All the anxiety in this room, all the worry in this room, all the fears all the condemnation, all the guilt and the shame that's in this room, it's all invisible because it's a spiritual thing. In some cases, the the spirit is overwhelmed by our feelings and our emotions. 
But the spiritual realm is much greater than all those things because God is in with us, and He's faithful. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, He's dealt a death blow to the sin in your life and extended to you forgiveness, which removes the guilt, which removes the shame, which removes that, that sense of hopelessness, that removes that caving in under the pressure of circumstances, but rather standing firm in faith. And we just get caught up in the physical too much, church. We all do. Overwhelmed by what you wake up to and what you're thinking and the immediate thought. And like Elisha's servant, man, we just need to be praying for one another. Lord, open their eyes that they might see what's happening. Open their eyes that they might get a glimpse of your will. Open their eyes that they might be reminded of your faithfulness. What a great prayer to add into your life and mine as we pray for one another to grow in God's grace and God's goodness. And the answer to the issue in your life today that you walked in here with, that you tune in in the radio or your podcasting, you got the earbuds in your ear, the answer to the problem and the issue in your life is not a physical answer. It's a spiritual answer. It's trusting God, just like the moment you were saved, but walking in faith daily, moment by moment, trusting Him submitting the circumstances to him and living your life in such a way where now you're just going to be blown away. Maybe you're surrounded by armies right now and that's all you can see and that's all you can feel. But then you think, man, open his eyes and you begin to see in the spiritual realm, they that are with us are far greater than those that are against us. Amen. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in Hebrews as Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through this marvelous book. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through the app. It's free. Just search for Calvary Aurora. And we're also on Apple Podcasts. Well, Pastor Ed, you mentioned that there's good reason to believe in guardian angels. Now, with that said... Should we look for them in our lives, or should we just go about our day trusting they'll be there if need be? How much attention should we give to them? Wow, Larry, that's a great question because even good things can take our eyes off the Lord. Isn't it true? Even good things. And angels, being good, created beings, ministers to us, the Bible says, sent on behalf of God. As you have noticed, I'm sure, in the previous years, you know, there was even that television show, uh, touched by an angel and made everybody all excited about angels, the angel pen, angel books, angel, angels, angels. Even something good can get our eyes off the Lord. So when you ask, should we go about our day trusting they'll be there? Yes. Uh, should we look for them in our lives? I mean, we should look for them in our lives as an evidence of the presence of God, but not be overly concerned with angels. How much attention should we give to them, you say? We should give attention to them as being led by the Holy Spirit and not taking our attention off the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord, not in how God chooses to help us, not in how God chooses. It, I think it was Pastor Chuck Smith that gave us the illustration of the surgeon using a scalpel in a very important surgery in, in, in our lives. You know, he's using, let's, he, I think he uses it like metaphorically, right? He says, you know, well, let's just say you went in for a surgery and the surgeon used a scalpel and that tool was the was used to, to help open you up and take out the difficulty, bring healing into your body. Would you get up when you're healed and go to the doctor and say, I want to see that scalpel? 
because I want to give all my appreciation to that scalpel. I want to make sure that it knows that I appreciate it. I want to keep it. I want to frame it. And I want to make sure that every day I give appreciation to that scalpel. I mean, we would, they, they'd probably get other kinds of doctors to check us out because we wouldn't be in our right minds. It's the doctor that matters, not the tools. And I think it's the same here where it's the God of the angels that matter, not the angels. But I do know we, we want to be faithful to minister, to love people, because we could be entertaining an angel unaware. And we want to be faithful, following Jesus, looking to the Lord, and just knowing with great comfort that God can dispatch angels at any time supernaturally to minister into our lives. So so encouraging. So encouraging. God bless you guys. Good stuff there. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you make a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, we'll send you a copy of The Calvary Road by missionary and evangelist Roy Hessian. In it, he describes the pathway to genuine revival. And you'll read both the prerequisites and consequences of God at work in the heart of a hungry seeker. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE. And don't forget to request The Calvary Road. That's 877-30-GRACE. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of Hebrews. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.